Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you guys for coming this morning and worshiping with us. I am Kobe McCormick, and I'm one of the student ministers here at Crossridge. Yes, thank you. Uh, Give the Lord a hand, please. I am excited this morning. We have a treat for you guys, but first and foremost, I would like you guys to uh, give my wife a hand. She was able to throw this outfit together, uh, make, me, make me look good. If it was up to me, I would be wearing probably some Jordans, but uh, she dressed me to where I look like a little Pastor Mark, so <laughs> I thank her. But as um, Pastor Al alluded to, the student ministry has um, just been wrapped around the Lord's hand and uh, guiding us as a unit together and just placing his hand on students and calling them the ministry over the past year. And Kyle and I have had the privilege to be able to walk alongside them and guide them. And uh, as we're also getting preached to as well and taught, uh, it's just been an amazing sight to be a part of or to see and then uh, to be a part of as well. And so today we get that opportunity to see God at work through the student ministry. And um, we've just been excited and and nervous as well for this opportunity. Um, We will get the pleasure to uh, see the the call that the Lord has put on Daniel Marsh, and we'll we'll be um, looking at the story of Gideon as well and kind of seeing the similarities as um, they go hand in hand. And since we are going to be strapped with time, we, we have a lot of things going on. We won't be able to go through the whole story of Gideon, so I encourage you guys to keep reading um, as you go on about your week. But we would like to highlight the beginning of Gideon's uh, calling and focus on who he was when God called him and where he was. So if we could, we could bow in prayer for this message. Father, we thank you for this morning. We come to you and lay our burdens and our worries at your feet. Lord, we ask that you take away the fears and the nerves and that you speak to us. Lord, we pray that this message resonates deep within us, that we're able to see what is best for our lives. Lord, that we are called out by you to do great things in your name. Lord, you take all of the glory in everything that we do. We thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, please open your Bibles with me to Judges 6. We'll be in 11 through 18, verses 11 through 18. As we're introduced to Gideon, we see that he is immediately faced with adversity. We'll see two important factors that play a role in Gideon's transformation. Where Gideon was when the Lord called him, and how the Lord speaks to Gideon as well. God does incredible things through Gideon when Gideon thought he was not worthy. And he was also in fear of his livelihood. Let's read. Verse 11. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Aphra, which belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? 
And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. Right off the bat, we must look at what Gideon was doing versus where he was at. Gideon was beating wheat in a wine press, tending wheat Meant, was meant to be done on a threshing floor, which was a square area that was exposed to the outside elements. This is where you could separate the stock from the grain, and the wind would naturally take it away. But you're outside in these exposed elements. We see that he was tending wheat inside of a wine press. A wine press was typically a circular area, and it was secluded and not exposed to the elements, right? So we see that he's doing this in fear. We know that he's doing this in fear of the Midianites, so his livelihood is at stake, and he's actually suppressing himself inside of this wine press for his livelihood. And so I ask you guys, what is your wine press? What is something that you have been hindering, something that has hindered you from the calling that the Lord has placed on your life? And also, has anyone gone to these extremes in fear? I know I have. I can testify that I have. No, Lord, I'm not going to do that. No, Lord, I'm not ready for this, just as Gideon was probably thinking. Again, Gideon was doing this in fear that the Midianites would steal his crops, his livelihood. And the man was truly in fear and going to the extremes again to do what he had to do. And this is such an important detail in the story as we ourselves, we as Christians, we let the enemy take over our thoughts and actions to the point where our livelihoods change. So again, I want to ask you, what is your wine press? What is something that you fear or in fear of and hindering you from the calling the Lord has placed on your life? And I can share with you for just a brief moment that I feared what other people were going to be thinking about me when I was going to take the step into ministry and follow the Lord and uh, the calling he placed on my life. What are the people going to think of me that know the old Kobe in my past? How are they going to judge me? Are they going to be able to take me seriously for what I have done in my past? Let alone the students that at their age, I wasn't at church, and I wasn't doing those godly things. What are they going to think when they hear my testimony at some point? Are they going to be able to turn around and be like, yes, I'm following that man because he's following the Lord? That was, that was my wine press. That was where I was like, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. But again, never say never. 
And as we keep going, the second part of this is, is how the Lord spoke to Gideon, what he said to Gideon. And the angel of the Lord said something so powerful. He says it to Gideon and he says it to us. He says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And some of your translations might read warrior. But the key point in this verse is the angel of the Lord says, the Lord is with you. And I know I'm guilty of this, but we often get to a point in our life as well where we get caught up in, in the world and what the world has to offer. That we forget that message. The Lord is with us. When we surrender our lives and we confess that the Lord is our Savior, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. At this time in Gideon's life, he was consumed with fear of the Midianites, that his livelihood was at stake. His mindset was tarnished. Gideon had started to question the Lord, the angel of the Lord, right then and there. Why has God allowed this ha to happen in, to his people? And why has the Lord forsaken us? That word forsaken is such a powerful word. Forsaken. Those are desperate cries for help. But guess what? There's good news. The Lord reassures Gideon by saying, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian, for I am with you. And I can see Gideon's face right now like, wait, I'm down here in this wine press. I'm hiding. I'm secluded. I'm already terrified of these people. But you, you're telling me I'm, I have to go by myself? And defeat these people? Eh, ain't gonna happen. Ain't gonna do it. And I can relate to that. It's like, wait, Lord. No. You want me, you want me to live out this calling. You want me to walk obediently. You want me to preach the gospel to students and people. And you want me to face my past head on. <laughs> that, that's not me. I remember saying, that's not me. I cannot do that. I can live with my actions, but to, to live it out and walk obedient to the Lord and the calling, the calling that the Lord has placed on my life, I, I don't know that I can do that. And I remember saying, no, no, nah, fam, that ain't me. That's not Never say never. Again, the Lord goes on to reassure Gideon in verse 17 that he will be with Gideon through the mission. And still we see that Gideon goes on to test God. And he asks for signs that he knows God is talking to him. And I'm laughing. I'm like, man, he's already shown up with you at your lowest point. He's already told you, I'm going to be with you. What, what, what more do we need? What more does Gideon need? But as much of, of us can relate to what Gideon is go, going through, we must remember that God is with us. 
The Lord has been preparing Gideon for a time like this. He met Gideon at his low point in Gideon's life for the greatest call of Gideon's life. And I'll read that one more time. The Lord has been preparing Gideon for a time like this. He met Gideon at a low point in Gideon's life for the greatest call of his life. And now I'd like to introduce Daniel Marsh, and he'll get to share a little testimony on the call to ministry that the Lord has put on his life. I got the news that I was going to be doing a sermon, I was incredibly excited. It is a huge honor to get to speak in front of you. It's a huge honor to be asked by Pastor Mark, and it is a huge honor to think Kobe and Kyle thought I was worthy of this tremendous honor. But the enemy works fast, and very quickly thoughts of doubt became, became running through my head. That I wasn't good enough to teach you guys anything. A lot of people in here have been Christians longer than I've been alive. And I didn't think I could teach you guys anything that you don't already know. But then a reassuring thought came over me. and It was from the Lord and it is, it's not me. I'm not the one that's going to teach you anything. This isn't my sermon. I am just the messenger of the good news of Jesus Christ. And once that came over me, confidence came. And I was able to write this with the Lord's guidance. Again, I would like to say thank you to the church. Uh, thank you to Kobe and Kyle. Thank you, Pastor Mark. And thank you to my family who has always supported me. And most important, thank the Lord to all things be his glory. Before my calling, I kind of felt lost. My calling was relatively a year ago when it hit me. Uh, and during that time before I had it, before I had the calling, I was kind of just going through life. I'd go to church. I, was, I still had a good connection with the Lord, but it was just kind of, I would live each day. I'd go to sleep and then I would do it again. There would be no purpose. There would be no straight line. It would just be circles. And it took me a long time to listen to my calling. My wine press wasn't out of fear and doubt necessarily like Gideon's was, but just trying to do my own thing. I tried to uh, pursue baseball in college for as long as possible. And I went on a class visit to the college that I was looking at. And I saw the ungodliness that was going on there, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. They had, they had a chapel, and it was like they were ashamed of it. It was the last thing they mentioned, and it was like they were sorry to have it. They even had other religions going on in that chapel. And it was just made me realize that this isn't the place for me. This isn't something that I want to be a part of. So then I felt like I was back to ground zero. When I came to Pastor Mark, and he recommended the place that I will be attending in the fall, which is Texas Baptist College, which is a seminary. And 
When I decided to fully listen, that's when the best path was open for me. Now, my calling was gradual. Like I said, it took a long time for me to finally realize it. And there wasn't really a direct moment. I've said, preparing for this, that my calling kind of came growing up. And as I grew up, I realized how evil the world is and how Satan attacks from every area of the world. The two biggest areas that I've seen are attacks in school and attacks in culture. If you look at culture, the music we listen to, what's on TV and what's in the movies is awful. And it's one of the biggest things that impacts our everyday life. I began trying to think of ways to solve earthly problems with earthly solutions, but then I came to the realization every problem that we see around us is rooted in spiritual warfare. There is not a problem that the world comes across that isn't a spiritual problem. I realized every area of the world has evil in it except for God's word. That's the only perfect thing about this world because it's not of this world. It's God's word. And I realized that that was my mission in life. That was my calling, to spread the word of God to as many people as possible. That was the moment I fully realized the calling set before me. Now, if you look at the enemy the Israelites were facing, they were the Midianites. And if you go to the beginning of the chapter, it says that the Israelites had done wrong in the eyes of the Lord. And we're facing our own battles today. When preparing for this sermon, I kept coming back to an audio clip by Paul Harvey. Now, Paul Harvey was an American radio broadcaster from the 50s to the 2000s. And he had a video called, If I Were the Devil, where he lists a bunch of things that he would do to conquer the United States. And this was made in 1965. Now, it's an important date for you to remember. He says that he would tell the young that the Bible is a myth and man created God that he would have churches at war with themselves, and that he would evict God from the courthouse, the schoolhouse, and the houses of Congress. This whole video, you'll start thinking that there's a fight coming, and I need to start preparing for it. Like, wow, this is happening now. But he closes with, in other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. There is no fight coming. The fight's already been here, and we've missed it. This, is, this was listed in 1965. The whole video is about three minutes long, and I encourage each of you to listen to it because everything that was said became true because it's been happening. We are taught in school that we have come from nothing and we have no purpose other than to reproduce and then die until we evolve into something else, that there is no other explanation for life. I've heard different sermons and Christians debating whether or not alcohol is okay to drink, whether facial hair is a sin, and if worship should be a band or just a choir with an organ. While all of this is going on and all these debates are happening, we've missed that there are churches flying pride flags, churches hosting drag shows, and churches who are promoting messages that only itch the ears seen in 2 Timothy 4.3. We have lawsuits constantly against the Ten Commandments being displayed in courthouses, and we don't win all of them. Prayer in school was declared unconstitutional on June 25, 1962, by the Supreme Court, and we had a prayer in Congress end in Amen and A Women, and a representative saying God herself. 
Things are really bad right now. We have done evil in the eyes of the Lord. And I've come across, as I've walked in my Christian journey, I've come across two main Christian schools of thought. And it is those who have think there has been evil, there's always been evil and things are no different today. And those who think that it's all downhill from here, there's no turning around the ship that we're in and Christ is coming soon and we can't do anything about it. And there are signs that those are coming soon, that Jesus is coming soon. But there is a third school of thought that I think each of us need to be a part of. And that is that we are still here, which means there is still work to be done. In Acts 1.11, when Jesus had ascended, angels came down to the disciples and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking at the sky? We do not need to be so focused on when Jesus returns because it doesn't matter. We are still here, which means there's still work to be done. We have put God in a box that the world is lost and it only goes downhill from here. But what if he's waiting for us to get our act together and cry out to him? When I think about this, I think about Jehoshaphat's army, the enemy that was set before him. They couldn't win it on their own. And when we look at the battles around us, we can't win it on our own. And what they did was they sung praises to the Lord and they didn't have to fight a single thing. We need to cry out to God. Praise God. Get on our knees. Pray for his strength, his confidence, and his boldness just to light us on fire and be warriors for him. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 3 through 5, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He is the same God that used Gideon to defeat the Midianites. He is the same God that defeated death. And I believe he is the same God that can use us to take back the world for him and his glory. Thank you, church. Daniel Mars. Man, that gets me fired up. That gets me fired up. And just so you guys know a little bit about Daniel Marsh and what he's been doing in our student ministry, I believe he's been here longer than I have. (laughs) And to be able to be introduced to Daniel Marsh and see the leadership qualities that the Lord has put on his life prior to the calling to ministry, uh, it's amazing, simply amazing. the sheer just want to be able to answer questions, the want to serve where you can, where he can serve, to attend as many events as the Lord allows him to be. The way the Lord is working through Daniel Marsh is simply a go God go moment. If you would please give Daniel Marsh a hand again. So a quick story. It wouldn't be me without a a story. When the Lord started to tug at me and call me to ministry as well, I brought it up to my wife. 
and most of you guys know my wife. Yes, thank you. This happened twice, by the way. Once early in my walk, when um, I became a Christian, and then recently this past year. And it's important, and don't forget, I, it, was, it happened twice. But I told her. And the most recent time, she asked me. She asked me a couple questions. Are we ready for something like this? And number two, are we even qualified? And without hesitation, I truly believe it was the Lord speaking this through me to her and to me as well. The Lord has been preparing us for a time like this for the past seven years being members here at this church, serving where we can serve, being present when it's hard, seeking prayer when we need prayer the most, leaning on the people around us that have become family, you guys, the encouragement that we have. The Lord again has been faithful for a time like this in our lives. And to sit back and think and look and, and display those things and say them out loud, it, it just made it ever, ever more real that yes, yes, we are ready. When we let the fear, the doubt, the anxiety, and those things overwhelm us and take over our minds, that's the enemy winning. That's the enemy winning. As Gideon, when you follow and you're obedient, and you, when the Lord says, I am with you, and you know the Lord is with you, you go. And I truly believe that. So I ask you again, church, what is your wine press? What is something that is hindering you from the calling that the Lord has placed in your life? It could be finances, marriage, fear, anxiety, your job, sickness, depression, whatever it is, there's good news. It's not too big for our God to handle. God has a mission for all of us to glorify him in everything we do and advance the gospel, as Daniel said. How can you, in your own ministry that the Lord has put around you, how can you do that? Also, as we've witnessed today and many other times, there is not an age that separates you from living out the gospel. When God calls you to whatever ministry and wherever he wants you to be, it's because the, because the Lord is with you. We do not let external circumstances hinder you from staying in that wine press. As much as our flesh wants to know the answers and see the story unfold, go. Go without hesitation or question to where God is leading you. And if you recap the call of Gideon's story, you see that he had let fear and doubt take over his life. 
He was doing two completely different things for his livelihood, for the sake of his life. Being in that wine press, and we get to see, I would encourage you to continue to read on to Gideon's story as it is a little lengthy, but you continue to see how he starts at the bottom and where the Lord meets him to where the Lord takes him. Not where Gideon goes, but how he's obedient to where the Lord is calling him. And you get to see that. Just as you see the gradual change in Daniel, you see the gradual change in Gideon as well. I pray again that you continue to read on to God's story, Gideon's story, on how the Lord uh, transforms him and how he works through him. And yes, you'll see that he still tests God. He asks for sign after sign after sign, and yet the Lord is obedient, obedient, obedient on his life. But you see that the Lord is still with him. And as the worship team makes their way up, we'll transition into a time of invitation. You might be sitting there fighting a battle today. Many of us do and are currently. You might think it's too big to handle. Again, the Lord is with you. We call on the Lord in desperate times and in glorious times. There's good news. There's a Savior ready to take it on. And his name is Jesus. The greatest decision you could make is right now. Surrendering your life to him and basking in the glory of eternal life. It's the greatest decision that I have made in my life. If you've already made that decision, but you know it's time to recommit your life to Christ and pray for him to show you where you need to be. The time is now. We'll have our prayer partners up here in the front on each side. Daniel and myself will be up here, and we would love to pray with you for whatever need, care, concern that you might have. The altar is open as it always is, and the water is warm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this day that you have given us. We thank you for the word that is true. We thank you for the examples of, fo of following the calling of Gideon and Daniel. And Lord, we lift Daniel up to you. And we ask that you place a hedge of protection around his mind and his life, Lord. That he goes out and he just exemplifies you in his actions and in his words. We pray that you guide him and instruct him in mighty ways. We pray for the seniors in second service that will embark on their new lives. And Lord, we want them to know that this is their home. And we pray that you're the forefront of their lives. Father, we give you thanks for the work that is going on in this church. In all the ministries that you are orchestrating, we stand in awe at your work and give you praise. That you're guiding each generation to come closer to live for you and live out the gospel daily. Lord, if there's anyone that is hurting in need of a Savior, we pray that, you're, that 
they are bold enough to come forward and confess to you any unspoken prayers. We know that you hear them and you'll meet them right where they are. In your son's precious name, amen.